Morning everyone, it is such a privilege to be with you again and we are in the middle of our Romans series and we start uh, the beautiful chapter Romans 8 and I've entitled this morning's preach The Beauty of Life in Christ and so I want to pray and I really trust and I really pray that that is what we would come away with is the beauty, the wonder of what it means to have life in Christ. So let's pray together. Let's um, ask God to really be with us and close to us and ultimately to speak as we go through this message today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the wonderful opportunity we have in this nation to walk with you, to worship you on a Sunday, to read our Bibles, to not have to hide away because it's not illegal to live out our faith. And so I thank you for that. And I pray that as we get stuck into Romans 8, today. I pray that as we dive deep into your word, as we are uh, challenged, encouraged, as we pursue your word, that you would speak. It wouldn't be about Craig. It wouldn't be about the things I say or illustrations. It would be about you and that you would change us, whether we know you today or not, that you would transform us from the inside out. Your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to ask a question. Has anyone ever done an exam Uh, or an exam question, and you've worked through the problem or the essay brilliantly. You've done absolutely everything you can, and you've done it perfectly. You go, I know this, and you've done it all. And you only realize, as you're doing a little bit of a check, right at the end of the message, uh, I mean, sorry, not at the end of the message, at the end of uh, writing down your answers as you go through it, that you didn't actually answer the question. Or possibly, you walk out the exam going, nailed it, only to talk to friends or people afterwards or to get the results later and realize that you failed and be in an absolute shock because you've gone, but I I nailed this. I knew everything there was to know in this exam. And the reason being that you didn't take enough time reading the question and as a result, you gave a really good answer, but you answered the question that was not actually being asked. You know, it's possible to do everything perfectly in answering the question you think it is in the exam paper, but then you realize you've misread the examination question completely. And in today's passage, if we link this with our lives of faith, in today's passage, we look at what it means to live how God intended, what that practically looks like to everyone around, including ourselves, and the eventual outcome of that, in a sense, to answer the exam question of life's purpose correctly. We're going to look at that. We're also going to see that you can rush into your life. You and I, we can rush into our lives, whether we're Christ followers here or not, and not take the time to really read the question, the questions that God is asking us, or maybe think that we know it all anyway. We don't, we don't need God. We can live lives on our own. We know the answer already, and then I realize later on, or maybe when it's too late, that you didn't actually answer correctly. Now the Apostle Paul starts with the conclusion of the story, with the conclusion of answering the question of life correctly, with the wonderful result of saying yes to following Christ. You see, God actually gives us the answers to the exam questions of the purpose of life. It's actually an open book test. So we know the answers anyway. He's not testing us to see where we fail and see where we go wrong. He's actually already given us the answers. But we can still choose to go, no, I don't really need those answers. I know everything myself and I can just write down everything. Or we can choose to look at his answers and then we can write down those those correct ones as well. And so it's an open book test. And this is what it says in Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to that. If not, it's going to be on the screen. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so we start with the conclusion in today's passage. And the question that I would pose is, what does life in Christ look like? Well, firstly, for us to understand that, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So a definition of condemnation is to be pronounced guilty and sentenced to punishment. So that's what it means, condemnation, to be pronounced guilty and sentenced to punishment. Because you see, since God cannot be in the presence of sin, of anything that goes against him and his perfect character, the punishment, the condemnation, is eternal separation from him. That's what all of us, if we're not in Christ, are going to experience, because he can't be in the presence of sin. But look at the start of the passage. It says, there is now no condemnation. There's none of that. How incredible is that? I know the mess in my life. What has suddenly happened to God's condemnation of me, the fact that he can't be in the presence of sin, what suddenly happened to me if I'm a Christ follower, that means that there's none of that, that I can be in his presence. Well, it's this phrase that it says over here, um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's that phrase, covered by Christ Jesus, transformed by Christ Jesus, safe in Christ Jesus. And so that's the beautiful end of the story. That for those of us who give our lives to Christ, that those of us who hand ourselves over to God, there is no punishment set for us for our sin. There's nothing that's going to separate us from God. It, it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful truth that we can experience in God. Maybe for some of you here today, I feel what you really need to know is just how much God loves you. There is not a hint of anger towards you. Not a hint at all. Not It's, it's love towards you. He, he pours out His love to you. He only wants life for you. I want you to grasp this from the deepest core of your being. He loves you. Maybe some of you right now are going through terrible things. Maybe you've made mistakes. God wants you to know right now that He loves you. Think about some of what's shared in those verses I just read when we receive Christ. Look at some of these things. Freedom from sin and death. That's incredible. Eternal, forever life. He has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Freedom from the law, it says there. From rules and regulations that we can never live up to because we can never be perfect. He's freed us from that because He died as the perfect one so that we don't have to live up to that standard. He then paid the ultimate price. He died for us so that we might live. Yes, now, but for all eternity. And it's a free gift. We can't earn it. It's just poured out towards us. It's the answer to the question of life's purpose. And then the, the fact that we have the opportunity to live with Christ's Spirit. Look at what it says there at the end there. Um, that we might not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we get to have Christ's Spirit in us. His presence with us. Now and then for all eternity and perfection with Him. So that's, that's some of the result. That's the conclusion to the story. What does the, 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 the life in Christ look like? Well, it's, it's a beautiful life. It's an amazing examination answer that he's already provided us with. He says, what does the purpose of life look like? What does it look like to be in Christ? Just some of these things. How incredible is that? There's no guesswork. It's all here. It's truly incredible. 
So you might ask the question then, well, what if I'm not a Christ follower yet? It says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But what about for me? Does that mean that there is condemnation? What happens if I'm still exploring faith? Does it mean that God doesn't love me yet? No, no, he, he does love you. That's why he came to earth to pay the price for your sin and for mine, for everyone on earth to pay the sin, the, the price that we needed to pay. But as it stands, if you're not a Christ follower today, as it stands, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, then one day when you die, the full anger of God against your sin will be there. God's full anger, because he hates sin so much, will be turned towards you and anyone else with sin in their lives. And because of that, because he can see that sin, it means eternal separation from him, absent from him, absent from goodness, absent from love for all eternity. And so you will face condemnation. You will face a punishment for your sin if you don't have anyone who has paid that for you. Because you don't have to. You don't have to face that condemnation. God doesn't want anyone to face that. And so on earth you have time. But when each of us die, there's no second chances. There's no coming back to earth or changing our minds suddenly when we die. It's what so often we want. We don't want to have to make a decision of faith right now. But it is now. There is one examination of life. There isn't two or three. There's one. And so read the question carefully if you're on a Christ follower today and then go for it. It's a copy and paste exam. It's an open book test. God's given the questions and he's given the answers. But it's for us to believe that his answers are right when we write them down. He's given us the answers, the most incredible answers to the most important question of life's purpose. So if you're not a Christ follower yet, don't waste any time. Give your life to him even today. But then you might ask, well, what do different exam answers look like? What, what does the life look like for someone who isn't a Christ follower? What does life look like for someone who is? We talk about it being a beautiful life for someone who is. What about for someone who isn't? And some of the answers I might give you might surprise you. It says in verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The first difference in exam answers, if you're a Christ follower on the purpose of life, and if you're not a Christ follower on the purpose of life, is the concept of earthly things versus eternal things. It says their, their minds are set on fleshly things, on the flesh. What do we mean by that? Well, the flesh is used in Scripture to describe either our sinful nature, but also our earthly nature. Also, just things that are focused on earth that hasn't yet been transformed by Christ. It means a self-centered life that revolves around me and what makes me feel good. That's what a, an earthly focused life is. Seeing earthly things as all there is, as the ultimate purpose in life. Earthly success, earthly fame, earthly satisfaction with our families. Everything being earthly focused as personal enjoyment and, and all that comes with it rather than living for Jesus. That's a focus on earthly things versus eternal things. And then it says they're setting our minds on things of the Spirit. This means seeing the world through the lens, a God-centered lens. So seeing the life through a lens that's a God-centered lens. It isn't one based on ourselves and personal satisfaction. It's a God-centered lens and then orientating our lives around that. And there's amazing Bible verses that describe this kind of focus. And uh, in Philippians, Paul says he's learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. Uh, 1 Peter says we're born again to a living hope that uh, is imperishable one day in heaven. Uh, it says in the Gospels that um, we need to store our treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't 
uh, destroy. And so there's just a pictures of this difference between focusing on eternal things, things that last forever, uh, godly things, and then also things that are, are here in a temporary nature. So that's the big difference between exam answers. One of them, earthly versus eternal. Next one will be peace versus panic. A peaceful life versus a life of anxiety or panic. It says, verse 6, for um, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You see, no matter how good we are, no matter how well we answer the question, but answer the wrong question, it's still wrong. And so if we set our mind on something other than Christ for the purpose of life, it leads to death. It leads to the death of things now. But even if life goes okay now, we're good, upright citizens, it leads to an eternal death because we don't have Christ to cover our sins. It says there, but if our mind is spirit, then it means life, purposeful life on earth, but more importantly, eternal life. It means we have a purpose now. We're living for something greater than ourselves. We're living for an eternal purpose. But also when we die, we have life and life in abundance for all eternity. And with that comes this thing called peace. Do you know what brings the greatest peace? It's knowing whose you are. When you know that you're a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, the ruler of all, the one who created everything. Do you know what that brings? It brings you peace. Knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Dying from sickness doesn't mean you've lost. You win because for all eternity, if you're a Christ follower, you live with Jesus, free from any sickness. You're in Christ. Dying from a tragedy as a Christ follower doesn't mean lost. You're with Christ. You win. Earth doesn't hold us anymore. Earth isn't everything there is. In fact, eternity is more important. So we don't lose if we're in Christ. We're all going to experience that journey of death one day. But there's a peace when the future is certain. Often we say with our girls that that God has us in in the palm of his hands. You know, we were driving back from Victoria Falls and um, someone's, it looked like their tire burst or maybe they lost control literally right next to us. And they lost control and swerved and it could have been a matter of meters and we would have been in a, a huge accident. They ended up uh, overcorrecting, spun off, just missed the tree and didn't roll. And thankfully, they were all okay. But we said to the girls, you see, the thing is with, with God is that no matter what journey we're on, no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens to us or doesn't happen to us, we can rest in the fact that God's in control. He's got our lives now and for all eternity at hand. And that brings peace. Only Christ followers can have that because if you don't have Christ, you're not trusting in anyone for your future, only yourself. You can't guarantee anything. We can have a peace that passes understanding, it says in Scripture, when we know God rather than panic. Last little difference to the exam answers. One would be panic and I have to control the world and make sure that I'm safe and, uh, and, and peace in God. He's in control of circumstances. Last little one in this section, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the spirit, on the, sorry, on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Last little bit on the exam answers. If you answer for yourself without God, it's pride. But if you answer God's uh, answers, it's humility because you're trusting in his answers. You see, it's possible to be a brilliant person, to do amazing things, to care for people, to care for the sick, to to give of your life, to, to help others, but still face eternal death because the exam question was not answered. And that sounds harsh. But just think about it from the examiner's point of view. Think about it in a school test. Think about it in a university test. Think about it from the examiner's point of view. The examiner will say, even if you've answered brilliantly the wrong answer, um, 
to the or the answer to the wrong question or one that you thought was there the examiner is going to say but i gave you an open book test i explained clearly the question and the answer but you've written down an answer to something that was not on the paper and so in fact you have to fail because you haven't actually answered the question that i gave you and you see the progression of not turning to christ is actually a mind that's hostile to god so no matter how much good you do in this world if you do that good and continually it's not in line with god and continue it's not an awareness that actually all the good you do is from him and all the giftings you have is from him anyway if you if you continue down that track effectively you are still being hostile to god in the most real sense and it can look on the outside like being wise like being intelligent but if you keep pursuing a life outside of jesus it leads to death 2 Corinthians 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of God. And so Satan is working actively to blind everyone, to, to, to make us think that we, we're doing good in this world, we're living successfully, we're, we're giving of our resources. But actually, if he's got us to turn our eyes from God and feel that we can do it in our own strength, he's won, our eyes are being blinded. And so you can become so close to God, it's as though you cannot even open yourself to the truth. And I see this sometimes. Sometimes people want counseling or want to chat to me. And when I share about the need for God in their lives, it's almost like, in a sense, their eyes glaze over. They kind of don't want to hear that there's another supernatural realm out there, that, that God should be involved in their lives. They want help, but they don't want God's help. And at that moment, all that you could do is pray because they've been blinded, their eyes have been blinded, and they, they're living a life that's leading towards eternal death that's hostile to God and and in that state we can't please God and so it's therefore impossible to please God because if there's no element of honoring Jesus of recognizing that he's there we're here in creation recognizing this all comes from him of pointing our lives to him then it is eternal death because it's a life separated from God so if our lives are not being changed if we haven't received Christ it's impossible to live in such a way that matters in an eternal sense because we don't believe there's a God we need to engage with. So again, if you haven't turned to him yet, turn to him today. The best decision you can ever make. The last little bit, it's almost like a sandwich today. We started off with the conclusion to the great story of following God, the beautiful life in Christ. And, and Paul sort of closes off here with the confidence again that we can have in Christ, this real amazing confidence. And he says, verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We've just shared that. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Just something just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely amazing, wonderful, beautiful set of scripture there to close off. And I want you to rest in these verses today. Embrace them. Embrace these just as we look at them. The fact that we have the Spirit of God in us if we're Christ followers. Um, That if Christ is in us, although we have sin in our lives, the Spirit brings us life which is right before God, which means we have nothing to fear in death. That if the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us, we're also going to be raised. So we've got no fear of, of eternity and of death because we know that God's in us and He has a perfect life plan for us. 
What a privilege, uh, Debbie Wetzler. Some of you may know uh, Debbie from Harvest. She came and shared with us while we were going through this Roman series at the end of the service uh, at the, the Harvest Saber site last week. And uh, she said uh, a friend of hers told her once, you know, the Christian life is a little bit about uh, sort of like being a schizophrenic. It's almost like you have these two split personalities. You have the sinful nature and you have this Christ-like nature. And they sort of, it seems like it's two different people half the time. And we were laughing about it saying it's just so true. But then over time, as we draw closer to Christ, it's almost like that one nature of ours becomes less and less and less. And we become more and more and more like Christ. We take on the beautiful life of Christ. And that's what we want to see in all our lives. We're all on this journey of faith till one day we're with Jesus in all perfection. And so I'd love to pray for us, wherever we are on that journey, that we would experience the beautiful life that Christ has for us. That life free from condemnation that Paul speaks about. So, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that we've had together. Thank you that you are a wonderful God of love. Thank you that you paid the ultimate price for us on the cross. I pray for every single person listening, for people who don't know you yet today. And if you don't know God yet, you can turn to him today. You can say, God, I need you. I want to answer the question of life right, the open book test. And I, I want to accept the, the payment you've paid for me on the cross, Jesus. Would, would you come into my life? Would you change me from the inside out? If you've known the Lord for a long time, maybe today's the day to say, Lord, again afresh, I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the transformation you've done in me and help me to live more and more like you each and every day. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your presence with us right now. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for um, being uh, with us today. Um, this is the last message um, that uh, that I'll be giving as Sarah and I get ready to uh, to plant to plant out a new church. And it's been an absolute privilege to to serve and be on team at Harvest. And we continue to pray that God does amazing things uh, through Harvest and through the team. Um, but thank you. It's been an absolute privilege. And and let's continue to live all out and absolutely sold out for Christ and for His King His Kingdom. It's what matters most. Uh, We'll never, ever regret any day spent living for him. And each of us have an opportunity to do it every day. It's not something big. It's just literally each day saying, Lord Jesus, would you use me? I want to walk with you. I want to walk in your footsteps. And then as we do that, we listen to him. And it's just amazing the doors he opens and what he does in our lives. So thank you so much again um, and have an absolutely brilliant day.